And I think this is where you may lose student athletes. A lot of people will just pound content and pound content, but there's no application. So they've heard all this leadership content, but they don't know how to apply it. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane, your Peak Performance Coach here with the Peak Performance Podcast. And today, our guest is a good friend of mine. He's actually my former roommate with the 2013 Team USA Collegiate Baseball National Team. His name, Brett Basham. Bash, as we will refer to him as, is a highly sought-after leadership consultant, author, speaker, and master of the mental game. He played four years of college baseball at Ole Miss while earning all SEC defensive honors as a catcher in 2008. Drafted by the White Sox in 2008, Brett opted to come back to Oxford to help lead the Rebels to an SEC championship in 2009. After finishing a stint in the minor leagues, Bash went on to serve as an assistant coach at LSU Eunice and was an assistant with the USA Baseball Collegiate National Team in 2013. He's now currently the, a coordinator for career and leadership development within the athletic department at the University of Alabama. Roll Tide. Bash is also the author of two tremendous books, Leadership via and the leadership clock. Please welcome to the Peak Performance Podcast, Brett Basham. Bash, thanks for being with us. Kane, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you today. Well, Bash, you know, I appreciate you being with us, man. It's been long overdue since I got the chance to hear your beautiful voice. If you would, could you give our, <laughs> could you give our listeners kind of your background, maybe uh, go back to where we met at Old Miss and kind of your experience first with the mental game, and then we'll kind of parlay this into what you're doing now with leadership at the highest level in college athletics, because I think for the listeners to this, both the coaches and athletes, I want them to understand that you're, you're the go-to guy if someone's looking for mental game and leadership, but let's start with the mental game bash for you as a former top SEC baseball player. Will do. Well, I, I don't know if I deserve that introduction, but um, really the mental game started with me in the, I guess this time, um, right around this time in 2009, we we're getting ready to start that season. And um, I had no previous mental game type of training. Uh, my, my first three years at Ole Miss um, were basically um, me just, just trying to, uh, be a lot tougher than, than the situation or be a lot tougher than anything. Um, I was the person who tried to control everything from the weather to the umpires to, uh, just everything. And so I think when you started to work with us in 2009, um, that's when my world was kind of opened up to a different side of things, a different way of thinking. Um, I know that, um, just in, from the core covenants we developed as a team to the, just the energy within the team to, um, just the way we carried ourselves and the way we thought, the way we talked and interacted with each other, probably one of the most tight knit teams that I've ever been around really. And you think like in 2008, we had like 10 or 11 guys drafted and we barely made the SEC tournament and in 2009, um, we um, 2009 we probably didn't have as much talent, but we're you know knocking on the door of making the College World Series. And so, you know, I think that alone, just the, the that introduction, um, and then 
obviously the more that it became part of our conversation, the more that we began to own the language and things of that nature, you know, the, the more success we had as a team, you know, I think we were all on board in that 2009 season. And so that's where my introduction uh, to the mental game really came. And I've, I've, you know, I've noticed, you know, especially from an Ole Miss perspective, I think that that language is still a part of their program. And, you know, they've been one of the most consistent programs, you know, for the past, you know, eight to 10 years or so. Bash, if you would, you know, go back to 2009, right? It's January. Coach Bianco says, hey, we got this mental game of baseball guy, Brian Kane, coming in. Were you excited? Were you like, why the hell are we doing this? Were you open-minded to it? And kind of where were you at and where was the team at with that experience? I've never had the chance to ask you that question. Well, I know I'll be completely candid with you. Um, I was on the fence. I, you know, I think a lot of our guys were like, well, what is going on? What is this? Uh, a lot were um, just kind of unsure. Why are we doing this? Uh, I don't think we need it. We've been pretty successful. Uh, but for me, I was looking for, you know, me personally, you know, I, I think a lot of our teammates looked at me and said, oh, well, he definitely needs it. He's a head case or whatever. Um, but, you know, I looked at it as an opportunity to, you know, improve our team, you know, and the, the, the different calls and the different activities and the concentration grids and, and different things that we were doing leading up to the January meeting. Um, I could, I could definitely see, you know, without even working with you, how this was going to be beneficial for us, how we'd be a lot more locked in into team meetings and, you know, people would pay a lot more attention than to get a lot out. Cause we used to meet on Friday nights, you know, call it, you know, 18 to 22 year olds meeting at seven thirty, eight o'clock at night, probably not the best time to get our attention, but um, you know, the, the more that we incorporated these concentration grids, you know, I think we got a lot more out of these meetings in a shorter amount of time. And so I can really start to see, uh, see us implement that. And I was excited about it. Um, little, little nervous, a little anxious, didn't really know what to think, but excited about it. And so, um, you know, we got through it. It was a very engaging time uh, where you came in and you just really kind of, I feel like the whole time you were talking to me directly. Um, and so it was just really eye-opening. I think once, you know, once we got into the session, uh, our, my teammates, uh, even our coaching staff, I think they were really, their, their eyes were really open and say, hey, this is going to be very beneficial for us. You know, I can see us starting to gel together as, as a team um, because we were all on the same page. We all wanted to to get better. And throughout the course of this, uh, what was like an eight-hour session, you know, I could see guys really buying into it. Um, and then we just kind of took it from there um, and, and just really ran with it. And so that just kind of the, the things that we talked about kind of became a part of our daily acumens, kind of the – the, it would become a part of our language, as I mentioned earlier, um, just the energy in the dugout and in game. All of our guys on the bench were engaged in in the game. Um, great dugout energy. You know, it even got our, um, you know, our coaching staff, who was very you know, hard nosed, very uh, serious uh, when it comes to in game type operations. You know, he, you could see him even, you know, loving the energy and loving the attitude that we would bring. I think just because everybody was in the game and everybody was locked in. So, you know, I think that's um, kind of how it started in 2009 to, you know, how 
the the Brian Kane system kind of infused our team and kind of got us going down the right path. So, Bash, you then go from from Ole Miss. You go on. You play professional baseball. Did when you were in professional baseball, did you have exposure to the mental game? And was the mental game something that was a was as big a part of pro baseball as it was in college? Uh, it it was not. No, I, I had a short a short stint. I mean, I played two full two and a half years, and so you know, it wasn't. Um, I think it was more readily available to the big league guys um, than it was for us at the minor league level. It, you know, I, I carried around um, the big binder of notes that I had um, from that 2009 season. I carried those around. Um, I carried around the journals um, and made notes in that because, you know, obviously in professional baseball, you're by yourself. You know, it becomes more of an individualized sport um, with everybody with, with rosters changing daily and um, everybody just trying to make it to the big leagues at all costs, that, that sort of thing. So, you know, it's been a, it, it, it could get lonely at times, you know, if you, if you, um, but I, I just tried to allow myself to, um, try to take all of it in really enjoy the experience, but also, uh, kind of grow from each day. And I think the journal that you provided us was, you know, allowed me to do that. Um, just taking notes, especially on different pictures, what, what, what each day was like, what was my attitude that day? What could have I adjusted? What could I have done better? Uh, that sort of thing. But also, you know, you have a ton of downtime, um, you know, during spring training and, and, and things like that to where, you know, you could really get, uh, could take advantage of, of some mental game type opportunities. And so I really tried to do that. Uh, but on road trips and, you know, in hotels when I was waiting um, for the game that night. Um, it was just a great way for me to get in a positive frame of mind because 100 and, minor league, 120, 140 games um, is, a, is a grind, you know, to say the least. Um, but I think if you're, and I know this is probably cliche, especially where I'm at now, but like d- just the process of every day, and being able to do the your job to the best of your ability that day, I think by taking notes and trying to strive to get a little bit better, I always had something to work on, something to to achieve the next day, no no matter how small or insignificant it, it seemed to another person. It was always very beneficial for me, and so that was how I, uh, you know, tried to get better um, every day. Well, you know, Bash, you mentioned the, the process and doing your job and as cliche as that is, or actually how real that is and how simple it is, yet so hard to do to stick to the process and to do your job. And I think one of the hardest quote unquote jobs that there is in college athletics is to be a leader on an athletic team where you've got a lot of people that are successful, a lot of people that have a lot of pride, a lot of ego that probably struggle with followership. It's probably easier for them to try to lead than to follow, but we know you can't have all chiefs and no Indians. Yeah, you can't have all chiefs and no and no followers. Bash, you're in a unique role now as a coordinator for career and leadership development within the University of Alabama Athletic Department. Could you talk a little bit about your role there and some of the things that you help bring to the athletes and the programs at Alabama from maybe a mental game and leadership standpoint uh yeah absolutely um so uh, the title is somewhat self-explanatory um the career side is more career development and helping our student athletes um all of our 550 plus student athletes over 17 sports um 
you know, have a plan for life after sports. Cause we know, we all know, you know, I'm a perfect example. You know, I, I thought that it was going to, um, go on forever. I thought I was going to play baseball forever. And I was quickly humbled and, um, kind of, uh, thrown back into the real world, if you will. So, you know, we try to help, uh, our student athletes, uh, come up with a plan for life after sports, but also on the, on the leadership side is, you know, kind of where I, um, have the most fun is, um, you know, developing our, our, our leadership, um, and our leadership groups. And we have representatives from every team we have, depending on the size of the team, we'll have, uh, two to, to five, um, or so, um, and their actual leaders, we consult with the coaching staffs to come up with these leaders. Um, and we, the good thing is our coaches trust, trust us with the, um, the ability to, they trust our experiences. They trust our ability to gauge the situation and be able to develop their leaders with some applicable information, um, some mentorship, um, some relationship type building, some role playing type scenarios where we put them in different situations and consult with the group on how they would handle different situations. Uh, we go through monthly group meetings um, that we really try to, to dive deep into not only their role um, as, uh, as leaders, but also some applicable content that we take from, you know, any great leadership outlet out there, whether it's John Maxwell or John Gordon, or whether it's some of your stuff, Kane, or you know, whether it's from the leadership clock or from, you know, some of the stuff I've, I've put together, you know, like the leadership clock and leadership VIP, you know, really where, wherever the best content is for a particular situation, we try to find it and we try to not only get that content across, but we also try to make it applicable so not not necessarily just, and I think this is where you may lose student athletes. A lot of people will just pound content and pound content, but they there's no uh, there's no application. So that they they've heard all this leadership content, but they don't know how to apply it. And so I think we spend a lot of our time letting them know and teaching them and educating them on on how to apply this information. And then, you know, t- maybe 10 to 20% of it is mentorship and how this has worked um, in my life, how it could work in their lives, either as a student athlete, uh, moving forward as an adult, um, either in the professional world or if they happen to play their sport at the next level. Um, and so th- it's, a, it's kind of all encompassing. We try to hit a lot of different angles, but, you know, developing uh, leadership skill sets by developing the leader first and then uh, once they they have a good concept of who they are as a leader then influencing their peers um, you know both within their team and then within the department so it's it's fun it's a lot of fun you know every day is uh, I, I really look forward to to coming to work uh, if you can call it that um, because I'm working with student athletes and I'm helping them you know affect positive change both within their teams and you know in their own lives now, Vash, you, you made reference to two of, I think, the greatest leadership resources that are available today, and they're two that you created. One of them uh, I had the privilege of, of working with you on, and I'll, I'll be the first one to say that you did the majority of the heavy lifting with it, is the Leadership Clock. And the other one is Leadership VIP. Leadership Clock is your your research, your experience in, in athletics and coaching, and, and how that 
kind of system translates to student athlete leadership. And then leadership VIP, you took a little bit of a different route where you were more of the researcher and you interviewed, I think, close to 20 people who were, you know, viewed as experts and, and people in the leadership field that were involved in athletics. Could you speak about both of those books and those projects and maybe share a couple of the key points from each with our listeners? Yeah, I guess I'll go chronologically here and then the order in which they came out. So uh, the leadership clock was an idea that I think we, you know, if I remember correctly, something that we just kind of were talking about. We we're somewhere in Japan. In the I, think we were, I think we were in Hiroshima, Japan. Uh, uh, yeah, USA baseball. Yeah. One, of those, one of those stops and we were at a different place every day. But um, I think we were just sitting in the hotel room on, on a kind of a day off or kind of waiting around before the game and we were just kicking some ideas around and you know we're with three or four of the best college baseball coaches in the country and we just got to talking and you're like well what what makes them so great uh, obviously there's you know a, a ton of division one college baseball coaches all of them successful in their own right but what makes these four guys so great um, we started just kicking around you know different characteristics and you know how they from how they run the program and their organization to how they treat the players to their um, just fundamental or their their ability to understand their game um, and everything like that. And so, you know, we just kind of got an idea, just started taking some notes. And so we left that summer and, you know, just thought about my my journey through athletics and the different coaches that I've played with and ones that have made the biggest impact on my life. And I just started jotting down some notes and, you know, here's what made this person effective. Um, here's another thing that they did that maybe I, I, I think kind of took away from their success. So I, I think about the different, the different coaches and the different um, places that I've been and just started to, to, think what about these coaches made them so successful and you know i i interviewed some some different people in leadership type positions from administrators from athletic administrators to school administrators and um you know different coaches both from a high school level to collegiate level and thought, uh, just found out that a lot of these successful people in le leadership positions were all talking about the same things and so really what I did was kind of organize those thoughts and I said I came up with like 10 to 12 different topics or different themes and you know I think you you know I was having trouble coming up with a title because I knew we wanted to do this and put it together but I, I didn't know what to call it um, and so you're like I had this idea and it's something that you had taken notes on and it was called like the leadership clock and so it just just works so perfectly together because you know you have you know 12 hours um, on the clock or 12 you know different you know spots on the clock and then the 12 characteristics I mean it just just made so much sense and so um, you know the more we consulted together about it and um, I was fortunate that you kind of trusted me to do uh, a majority of the heavy lifting and um, you know just did a ton of research did uh, a ton of um, you know, just thinking and organizing and, you know, it's a, it's a, the first time in my life where I've actually had to organize my thoughts that much. Um, cause I was all over the place cause there's so much good, good content out there. Um, so I, you know, was able to organize those into 
you know, 12, 12 chapters, easy to read, um, very self-explanatory, some personal examples, um, some, some, you know, references to some leadership experts and, and what they, they view on, on each topic. And, um, just, it's, it, it, it gives you an ability to, to, you know, as I mentioned earlier, lead yourself first so you can lead others more effectively. I think it, that starts with you. Um, it's just an easy way to, well, I, I feel like it's just an easy way to go step by step and break down a, a, an attribute at a time to where we're not trying to throw a bunch of leadership at you, but you can break down and work on this one concept at a time. Um, and then it kind of gives you some insight, um, into how to, you know, uh, establish a culture and infuse these different characteristics, uh, within that culture. Um, and so it was a fun process. It's something I never thought I would do. Um, and, um, it's, it's been, it's been great. The response has been great, um, from young people, young student athletes who are, you know, trying to figure out what this leadership thing is all about. Um, it just put it in a way to where they can really understand it. And, you know, from coaches and, and different people in leadership positions, how easy it is. And, um, just some of the takeaways that they were the summaries at the end of the chapter, just, just easy to follow along with. So, um, that was the leadership clock. So Bash, you talk about all the research that you did for the leadership clock and you, and you organized it into a great framework where there's 12 months in a year, you know, maybe 12 weeks in your season, 12 principles on the leadership clock. You can attack one of them, you know, per week or, or per month, however the coach decides to break it up. My question for you is... Tell, talk about the difference between that and Leadership VIP. Now, Leadership VIP, you interviewed, I think, 20 people about the mental game or about leadership. Would you talk a little bit about that process and what you learned going through that? Yeah, I think the difference um, between the two is that was more the, – the leadership clock was, was, was more our thoughts. But I wanted to get you know, the thoughts of, of other leaders out there in a sense that – I wanted to compare and contrast uh, some different philosophies uh, and, and different strategies that some of the best coaches and administrators, leadership experts out there were teaching, um, sort of as a one-stop shop for all aspiring leaders to reference. And so um, myself and, and Matt Morse, we were um, just – thinking of who can we get, who can we get as diverse as possible, different sports, male, female, um, just to, you know, large team, small team, uh, business world, uh, to the athletic realm, um, to, to get a, just a, a wide variety uh, of different strategies, different philosophies. And we, we, we came up with these 20 names all were, were very willing to do uh, the interview, but it was just awesome as we were conducting these interviews. We asked them the same type of questions, um, posed them with the, th the same uh, type of information. It was just great to see how a John Gordon response and how he does things within his organization and with the people that he speaks to um, as opposed to what uh, – 
Elmore or Joshua Medcalf and how they, uh, what they believe um, and what, um, I, I guess, the strategies that, that they teach. Um, they're not right. They're not wrong. Um, but they're just what these individuals believe. And so it, it really was, was really cool to see how they, uh, the, the 20 uh, experts that we talked to, they started to reference each other. Um, and I think that was pretty cool when you had, um, when you had Joshua Medcalf reference John Gordon, and then you had Stephanie White, who was the head coach of the Indiana Fever in the WNBA, who's now has since n- now taken over at Vanderbilt University as her head basketball coach, but how she referenced both of those guys and how Jeff Jansen was referenced by a guy like Rod Olson. And it was just, it was really cool to see how everyone um, respected each other and their philosophies, but hey, I think I'm just going to do it a little bit differently because this is how it works with my personality or with my organization or with my program um, due to the dynamics of our situation. Here's how, here's how we're going to choose to, to lead. Um, it was just, it was, it was pretty cool to, to see that. Awesome. Well, Bash, I mean, you've given us some great strategy and kind of a great direction for the coaches and athletes listening to this about the mental game and also about leadership. Uh, if they, people wanted to contact you and have you come in and work with their team or speak at their coaches clinic, or just wanted to call and pick your brain on leadership and mental game, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Is it, is it through Twitter at Brett Basham? Is there an email? What's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, Twitter. I try to engage through Twitter. Obviously that's the, the communication that we're in now. Um, I, I'm actually going to go at bash leadership. Um, probably the best Twitter account. Um, at B-A-S-H, then the word leadership. Um, email bbasham at ia.ua.edu. Yeah, and just say you know, I'm you know, open to in- engaging everybody. You know, it's, um, it's a lot of fun to, to engage with, with folks, and um, yeah, I enjoy it. Awesome. Well, Bash, thanks for being on the Peak Performance Podcast, man. I appreciate you making time. No, absolutely. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Peak Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a positive review or share a link to this episode on social media using hashtag PeakPod. Mention Brian Kane and one thing you learned in this episode for your chance to win a free ticket to the next Brian Kane Experience live event. Dominate the day.